0: The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: This is Heart Health Radio, where you can get better, stay healthy spot medical misinformation, and occasionally get that pesky question
2: answered. Pesky.
1: Yeah, there's you know, we all have things that we walk out of the doctor's office, we wish we could just go back
2: there and say, oh yeah, by the way, I got this thing. Well, you just talked about the by the way syndrome. Is that what it is? Yeah, I, I really think it's a syndrome, um, and I see it all the time. It's you go into the doctor's office with a pressing concern. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, either you really hope that they're just going to tell you it's okay, (laughs) or you're kind of afraid to mention it. So what happens is you have your whole visit, and you talk about all sorts of things and dance around the subject. And as the doctor gets up to leave the room, yep, yep. Oh, by the way, doc. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Got this. I've been having this chest discomfort <laughs> and shortness of breath when I walk. Yeah, And so part of it is a psychological concept that the doc will just say I'm okay and walk out the room. Yeah. Because he doesn't have any more time with me. <laughs> and I think that you as a patient should understand when you go into the doctor's office, the first thing you want to blurt out. Is right. your by the way. Right. And we all have them. And again, I think that if you have a concern, don't have wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. The wishful thinking is if I just say, by the way, the doc is going to tell me it's okay. Right. Because he's got to leave.
1: If I'm casual, then he's casual.
2: Right. Sure.
1: Yeah, no. That's-
2: oh, I picked up so many really important medical issues on the by the way syndrome. Oh, gosh. And what do you do when they say by the way? I sit back down. Yeah, and then they look at me as, "Are you leaving?" Right, right. I mean, this was just a by-the-way syndrome thing, and yeah, you pick
1: up a lot. All right, we're going to talk about today something that's going around on Facebook, and a lot of other people are talking about it. Have 900 or so people died after the vaccine? We're also going to talk about can we get together again? I mean, we've been. Some of us have got the shot.
2: Well, President and Biden is saying July 4th.
1: If, we're being told. Yeah. That if we're both, we both have the vaccine, we should still wear a, a mask and socially distance. We're going to talk. We'll dig into that. Right. There's also something from uh, uh something called Women's World uh, Online, and I don't if, even think it's a paper magazine, but but they've got advice for those who have UTIs. Right. They've got way. Hey. Don't spend money on
2: medicine. Wow. We've got stuff that will get rid of your UTI. And we just had a woman, uh, Tanya Roberts. Yes. She was uh, part of, she was part of Charlie's Angels, right? Am I right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she died of what? A UTI. A UTI. Yeah. That should not happen. Yeah, if you've seen this, we want to really go through it.
1: All right. On today's show, Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health and CEO Gavin Densmore- of at-home elder care. Okay, Dr. Weefall, what are we starting with today? Well, uh, let's
2: talk about when you've gotten the vaccine. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So the the vaccines that are out, um, Moderna and Pfizer, which are RNA or genetic vaccines encased in a lipid profile uh-huh. uh, that go into your cells and the RNA hijacks your system and makes the spike protein... The spike protein leaks out and your body recognizes as a foreign invader and creates not only antibodies, but T cells, which are white blood cells that help kill things right away. Right. And so you get one dose and then, you know, it's going to be two weeks later, but now it's four weeks later and you get your second dose and you are said to be maximally protected two weeks after your second dose. So that would be six weeks after you started the program of the uh, inoculation. Right, And so the question was, what do you do? I mean, you've had your second dose and you're two weeks out and you're with somebody who's had a second dose and they're two weeks out. And a lot of times it's someone who's had the first dose and they're not uh, there yet for the second dose. What do you do? Well, the CDC has said that if you are with somebody who is maximally inoculated, that's six weeks after the first dose, two weeks after the second dose, and you're with another person or persons who are similar. You don't need to wear a mask. Okay. And you don't need to socially distance. And I think that's smart. The other question becomes, what if you've had the vaccine and you're with somebody who's at very low risk, should you wear a mask? And that's controversial. Um, I don't know what the right answer is, and I'm not going to give an opinion about it because I don't think you. I should. Um, but I think there's less risk. Um, but the problem is... Uh, we're supposed to still be wearing two, not one, but two masks. Two masks, yeah. and socially distance. Right. I'm not so sure that's not a bad idea because there's so much we don't know. But I think we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we'll talk to Rose. The cases are still going down right. for the most part, right. um, and I think we're we're doing a good job. The thing that really worries me is the spring breakers.
1: We've got Bill in Raleigh. Thank you very much for calling up. How you doing, Bill?
3: Uh, Right now, I'm doing okay. I'm right in the middle of my exercises, and I want to appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Sure. Uh, Dr. Weefald, my question is, this Wednesday, I have my annual physical, and I want to know, from your perspective, what are the most important things I need to ask the doctor in a report, you know, the final report that comes back after the physical? What are the things that I should be most concerned about?
2: That's a great question. How old are you, can I ask?
3: 69.
2: Oh, you're Just young. Just turned
3: 69.
2: Yeah, you're young. Okay. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, it's a matter
2: of opinion. The yearly <laughs> okay. physical. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, when the doctor laid hands on you, uh, so to speak, with a stethoscope, etc., how much time did he spend and what did he do? Describe to me what your physician did on your physical part of the physical.
3: Well, uh, you know, you go in, you get your eyes checked, your weight, your temperature, uh, your uh, fat content and um, those sorts of things. And uh, the doctor comes in and and, uh, like you said, since I've had open heart surgery to replace a valve four years ago, he he does the stethoscope and checks for the valve, the noise, um, that sort of thing. But that, pretty much, that's basically it.
4: And okay.
3: Then, and then he'll um, send me down to the lab, and they'll draw blood. Right. And uh, normally I get my AC, what is it, the uh, blood, A1C. Yeah, blood glucose mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But um, I had a doctor, and if I'm allowed to mention her name, I'll sure. tell you who it was, Dr. Michelle Nacuzzi, and... I couldn't have found a better doctor. That's great. He was great. But That's great. her and her husband, Vincent, gave up their practice. They were both doctors. They gave up their practice. It was here in Raleigh. And I had to find another doctor, so I found this other doctor. And I just feel like it's just a matter of, I don't know, it just, yeah. it doesn't feel complete, you know. Well, let me tell you. I was able, it was like a team, it was like a relationship.
4: Right. You went
3: in and you, you know, you shared your ideas, and, and, and she was more than willing to listen and come back, and, and you know, back and forth, I, you know, I used to have my uh, uh, homocysteine checked, my, uh, 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 what, is, what is the other thing you talk about a lot, Um
4: Right would it now,
2: be cholesterol.
3: The cholesterol. Um,
2: How about the C-reactive protein? C-reactive
3: protein. protein. I yeah. used to have the, all those things, and we would talk about them, and, and she she was more than willing to do those those tests and everything. But this doctor, it's like he says, C-reactive protein doesn't tell us anything. Sure. Uh,
2: and I, somebody else calls you back with your lab results, right? I'm sorry. Somebody else called you back, not the doctor, with your blood test results. Is that right?
3: Well, I asked them just to send me the results.
2: Oh, even worse. <laughs> let me let me just talk about the old-fashioned way. Um, yeah. I I graduated medical school in '85 and finished my residency and internship uh, in '87 and finished my cardiology in '91. So I'm an old man. Um, <laughs> I'm old fashioned. I'm the pre-computer era. Yeah, um, And I trained at Johns Hopkins where, you know, what, what they used to say when someone's sick is that this man needs a doctor. Now, a doctor back then was someone who was completely thorough. So now I hear patients have physicals, and they, they have. The history and physicals they have what you had, which is a bunch of people doing a bunch of easy things, hooking you up to machines, you know, pinching your belly to see how fat you are, weighing you, sending you out to the lab, get a bunch of labs, and then the doctor comes in and says, "How you doing?" And you say, "Fine." And they say, "Great." <laughs> and then they listen to your heart and lungs, they read the, the, the stuff that's written down by other people, yeah, and then they leave. Yeah. Now, what we had to do when we were uh, interns, residents, and now when I'm a physician, is go over something called the review of systems. Now, that is really important. So you ask, okay, do you have a headache? Uh, or you have trouble walking? And, you know, you expect a negative answer. Yeah. But unless you ask all these questions, you don't know. For example, do um, you have constipation or diarrhea? And important for someone our age, and I'll include you and me because we're pretty close, seven years apart, Um, You know, you want to do a change in bowel habits, because what's the risk of a disease that you and I have, and that's colon cancer. And you're not going to pull things out of somebody. You're not going to be thorough unless you ask all the questions. That takes time. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing, you know, that the physical is not listening to the valves and listening to the lungs. It's putting your hands on people, looking in the ears. Looking in the eyes with those little machine not mm-hmm. little machines, those little instruments we used to have. I had a bag. That was that was so cool when I graduated from medical, or absolutely no, when I went onto the floors, a doctor's bag. Good for you. And I had a big one and it had like a tuning fork. We yeah. did all that stuff. Um, feeling for lumps and bumps under the armpits and above the clavicles and in the groin. What's that for? Picking up lymphadenopathy, limb, I can't, I've picked up several cases of Hodgkin's disease in young people. Um, the belly, if they ever tapped on your belly, that was really cool. They'd say, Doc, I'm hollow, because <laughs> you tap on the belly. You'd, f- you'd be able to tell how big the liver is. You'd feel for a spleen. So what's your suggestion to Bill? Well, the suggestion for Bill is your SOL. I mean, and what I mean by that is that nobody does this anymore. And the main reason is 2010. A medical odyssey. Now, what was that? That was when the Obama administration changed the rules. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're going to take back the money from doctors unless they can document on a computer what they did. So they document stuff they didn't do. Uh. And if you get your, I really encourage people, get your note. And most people can now. you can get on uh, the, uh, the computer Yeah, and see if they really did that stuff. Because you have to have done that stuff to get paid, tapping the belly, feeling the belly. We know one of the most important things and some in some our age is the feeling that you may have an aneurysm in your belly. Now, what do we do now? You just get an ultrasound on everybody. But I picked up, not just a year ago, a guy, I feel his belly, and you can feel it's like a balloon in there that's expanding. Mm-hmm. And you listen to the stomach. When was the last time somebody put their stethoscope on your tummy? And so I think the physical is a good thing, but a real good physical, a physical that's worth its um, uh, weight and salt is when you have an hour long uninterrupted session with the doctor where they ask you all these questions. They feel every inch of your body and they look at your skin. I mean, you got to be stark buck naked in order to get a good physical. That's right. They don't do it anymore.
3: That's what I'm after. They don't do it
2: anymore.
1: All right. Now, let me just, as the non-medical guy, just jump in for a second. When I take in my old Jeep to be serviced, I look for the oldest mechanic I can find. I want somebody who is an old-school mechanic. Right. Bill needs to find an old-school doctor. Right. And, and,
2: you know, they don't have to be really old. (laughs) No, no. They don't have to be. I think when you've trained in the pre-computer era, what's really bad is when you have to start doing everything on the computer. Yeah, Because it's frustrating. Some of these young docs yeah. can went through a computer-oriented uh, doctor's visit and still pay attention to the patient. But if I had, to, I mean, when I tried to do it, bring the computer in, I was so frustrated. Yeah, Because I just paid attention to the computer. Now, let's go back to your original question. What do you want to know? You want to know a couple of numbers. What's your blood pressure? And make sure the doctor checks it. Because let me tell you, there's two reasons to be concerned about that initial blood pressure. You can be a little nervous Mm -hmm. and your blood pressure goes up. But also, ask your doctor, when was the last time you actually calibrated that electronic blood pressure machine Uh against reality? Because I just had to throw mine away. Because, you know, the people who do my blood pressures were getting high numbers. So I just thought, well, you know, the the arm was too big for the small cuff. Turned out I calibrated it, which I hadn't done in a month, and it was way off. I threw it away, and now I'm getting another one, and I'm going to calibrate it. Mm -hmm. But I take a second blood pressure myself because you have to know exactly how to do it right. All right. Exactly yeah. how, put, how to put if it on.
1: Bill's taking a list here. He's got yeah. like two things.
2: Okay. He's got, what does else?
1: it lay in hands to the blood pressure? Yeah. What's the next thing?
2: The next thing is your weight. Weight. And your body mass index. Okay. Greater than 30 means you are, I'm going to use the word fat. And you need to talk to your doctor about what to do about that. Now, of the labs... There's a bunch of things you need to know. One is your LDL, not the total cholesterol, Mm -hmm. because it's the LDL, the triglycerides, and the very low densities. But the reason why you want to know the LDL is that's the number we know when you lower it, you lower your risk. And then the other number is your A1C, your hemoglobin A1C. Do you have prediabetes? Is it a little higher than five? Is it higher than six? And then you want to know your blood count, what your hematocrit is. Are you anemic? You want to know your creatinine, how your kidney's pumping. And there is a big caveat. They may mm-hmm. tell you you have stage three kidney disease and you don't. Because they look at only that one number. Then they look at what the lab prints out as a scale. Yeah. And let me tell you, my creatinine is 1.4, and they say I have stage two kidney disease. But I went and had the ultimate test for how your kidney's working, and I mm-hmm. had a hyper HYPER functioning kidney, a better kidney than normal. So that's, you know, just some of the things you touch on. I think physicals can be helpful, but they've got to be thorough to be helpful. All right. Bill, thank you
1: very much for your phone call. Get that appointment under your belt. Get those things done. Call us back. Yeah. Call
2: us back. In fact, Get that piece of paper yeah. and then call us back. You would be nice is get, get what your doctor sent you. Right. And then call us back and we'll go over it. This is
1: Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com or right here on the radio. Yeah.
2: So who are who we well, shaming I, today? Women's health. And Women's World, or Women's World, and then they have a thing called Women's Health. And what they do is five, and they claim doctor-recommended ways to cure a UTI at home. And what they tell you to do is when you burn, when you urinate, or have frequency, you guess that you have a UTI. And you start drinking cranberry juice, and you take garlic, and then you douse some baking soda, And bear berry. Have you ever heard of a bear berry? berry. Some sort of herbal supplement. Let me just tell you don't do that. Don't do this at home, as I've said before.
1: So if you think you have a UTI, you should do what?
2: Go to your physician. No kidding. And get a urine sample. And that's really important because you may not have a UTI. Number 1, and you may have a UTI with a specific type of bacteria that could really be harmful if not treated well. And just ask Tanya Roberts' family. I I don't right. know if she tried to treat her UTI on her own, but she developed what's called pyelonephritis where the infection went up the ureter into the kidney, got into the bloodstream, and she died. Now, I'm not trying to be alarming, but I'm just saying a UTI is a serious thing, right? Don't listen to Women's World. That's shameful.
1: Skip in Raleigh.
2: Thank you very much
1: for the phone call. How you doing, Skip? Yeah. What's up?
5: Hey, how are you? Hey, good. we're good. Good, good, good. So, Doctor Wefold, you want to speculate a little bit? Sure. Okay. I think we have decent, not hundred percent, but decent data about the number of people been vaccinated in our country. Yeah. I don't see any peer-reviewed studies that say we have any clue as to how many people have been sick, asymptomatic, got well, are also immune, we just don't know. Any uh, thoughts about how much closer to he- herd immunity we are than we think we are?
2: I There's a guy at Johns Hopkins. You remember his name? No. Uh, he's a really great guy. I'll
1: look it up. You, yeah, you he's talk.
2: with the School of Public Health. Yeah. And he thinks by next month, we'll have achieved an adequate herd immunity. Now, this guy is really smart, and he's basing it on the number, like what you said, the number of people who've already had it, who I think are, for the most part, immune, the number of vaccinated people. Um, and what's going to happen is, because of that, the spread will be a lot spread from Person to person who are immune. The virus is still there, but when it gets spread to that person, it dies in the person. And so one person who's been vaccinated may get the virus in their nose and in their respiratory tract. And instead of spreading it to eight people, they won't spread it. Now, they've already proven, and it's at least 50 to 60% effective at preventing a live virus from coming out of their nose, and I'm talking about a vaccinated person who has the virus exposed to their nose, it's much less of a transmissible agent. So I happen to agree with this uh, gentleman from Johns Hopkins, not only because...
1: Marty McCurry. Yeah,
2: that's him. I've never met him. He's much younger than me. But uh, not just because I'm a product of the Johns Hopkins uh, University School of Medicine system, but because it makes sense. And I think that the problem is that we've had such a bad time with this virus that I think they're sort of downplaying. Remember, Fauci said it was going to be 90% that we needed. Then he said it was 70%. Then he said it was 60% um, to to achieve – actually, he said it the other way around. He said 60 – in other words, we needed more and more people vaccinated uh, in order to get herd immunity.
1: But am I correct – this
2: virus broke
1: a lot of rules oh
2: my gosh i yes. mean it, my my uh transcriptionist pam mm-hmm. uh, yeah. van hooke van Hookie, i'm sorry i've always i've known her for 30 years pam van hooke she's listened to our old shows yeah and she says it's amazing what it's what it was like in the beginning all right
1: you're listening to the heart
2: health radio network heart
1: health radio you can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation on Heart Health Radio two hours, on the podcast especially, because on Apple Podcasts and on hearthealthradio.com you get everything of the show and you get no extra commercials, no breaks. I don't mind commercials. I don't mind them either. Yeah. I, they pay the way. I'm just saying that we get, we, you get the whole show. It's all content. Yeah. I, th- I think that that's some of the some of the best ways to listen to to this show is on your own schedule. Uh, Rose Hoban joins us from North Carolina Health News. Hi, Rose. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, we want to talk about vaccine and yeah. the fact that we're we're opening it up here. We're uh, we're moving through like the first three groups, and group four right. is soon. What when do we? When do people with health conditions but who are not? Um, seniors, get into the get into the fray here.
6: I think it's a little bit later this month. I, if I'm not mistaken, I, dates keep getting moved up. Um, last yeah. thing I knew, it was uh, March 24th, and then it got moved up to March 17th. So
2: yeah, I think uh, it's next you know, Wednesday.
6: Just me, I'll be
4: vaccinated.
2: Yeah, you know it's interesting. In my office on Thursday and Friday, mm-hmm. I would open the door. And to the room and say, "Have you had your vaccine?" And they all said, "Yes." And I've had the second dose. Wow! So we're really That's new. Awesome. I, I, you tell me, this is you know anecdotal, but you know, how are we doing with uh, vaccination now?
6: We are doing uh, really well. We're one of uh, it's turned we're, out we're now one of the top states in the country for getting wow. folks vaccinated. We've we're up at about um, we've given more than three million shots. Wow. Um, I think it's around 18% of the, of people have now gotten one shot. Uh-huh. And um, almost 1.2 million people have gotten two doses. I will tell you that probably by the end of today, it'll be close to 1.2 fully. I'm actually coming to you today from Burlington, where I'm volunteering at a vaccine clinic.
2: Good for you. I hate, I love yeah. it. Yeah. Let, let me it's ask exciting. you.
6: exciting. I mean, people are really... They're, it's amazing how much people have absorbed about the vaccines they're asking really sh- sharp questions they're um, they're interested in what we have to tell them We're, um, you know because I'm a nurse so I'm I'm giving people their patient instructions afterwards and getting having really great conversations um, getting really good questions from people
2: that's great are you all given moderna or are you given Pfizer?
6: We're given Moderna.
2: And when do you, you might know this, I don't, when is J&J coming to North Carolina?
6: We, um, J&J has been coming to North Carolina. It comes to different places. You know, so I'm working today, I'm volunteering with a community health clinic. They're not able to do Pfizer because they don't have the freezers, but they are able to do Moderna because they've got enough freezer. You know, it's not super cold, but it's cold enough. And I think what they're doing is they're targeting sending the J&J, because you don't need the you just need a refrigerator. And they're targeting the J&J for places that are more out of the way. So, like, you know, if you hear about one of these vaccine clinics that's taking place in a a church, in a rural county, those are the ones who are getting
1: the J&J. All right. Well, Rose, I've got to cut this uh, short. But uh, thank you, and everybody go to org. They've got information about smokers and getting the virus and chronic health conditions and schools reopening. Thank you, Rose. Nicholas is on the road from or to Durham, and he's on the phone with us. Hi, Nicholas. Hey, how are you guys? Drive carefully, but tell us what's up.
5: So this is a women's health question. Uh, I'm a health care provider, and I had a patient that I was treating for depression for about a year, but she also had a lot of physical symptoms. And then she called, well, we had a telehealth visit this week, and she said somebody told her that maybe her breast implants were causing uh, a reactive syndrome. And I was going to ask the doctor if he had ever heard of uh, that condition.
2: Well, I tell you, it, it's a real uh, syndrome. And it has to do with um, how the breast implant is reacting to the body itself. And it can cause and it, it um, swollen and tender lymph nodes. Uh, all of a sudden, people get dehydrated. Um, frequent urination. They get numbness, tingling in their limbs. And they get it, the worst thing is they get cold and discolored hands and feet. Now, what's going on? They think, although it's not well established, that it's an immune system reaction. And it makes sense. Uh, your body reacts to foreign material by producing an immune response. It doesn't happen very frequently. But it has to be recognized as a possible uh, situation. And so what, what happens, I've seen this twice And, you know, the cold hands and feet is something called Raynaud's syndrome, where your arteries, the small arteries, are spasming. Mm -hmm. And that can happen with inflammation. So generalized inflammation throughout the body caused by a hyperactive immune response to the breast implant. And I don't think it matters whether it's a saline implant or whether it's a breast implant. I mean, I'm sorry, a silicone implant. Although the ones that have the foamy type covering appear to be the ones that have the most uh, reactivity. So I went through a whole shmeal of mm-hmm. getting uh, tests and other things because sometimes chest pain is one of the presenting symptoms. And we just wound up saying, look, this is probably breast implant syndrome and we took the breast implant, I didn't take them out, but I had her plastic surgeon take them out. Yeah, And they got better. So it's definitely a syndrome. It's definitely real. Uh, it's very difficult to diagnose. But I think as healthcare providers, as you are, um, it should pop into our mind if somebody's had breast implants when they have an array of unusual or confusing uh, or systemic, we call that, all over the body, that we should consider that. Right.
5: Yeah, she was having a lot of fatigue. I mean, she's in her early 70s, she's still working part-time, yeah. and so this, this was uh, a big uh, change in her functional level. Yeah. She was having a lot of burning mouth symptoms, uh, and I was having trouble putting it together, and then when I started reading about this... Yeah. Uh, Sometimes
2: you can get Sjogren's-like
5: symptoms, yeah, and that we thought she had for a while.
2: So. Absolutely. And, you know, you get an anti-Rho antibody, which we're talking now yeah. as health care provider to health care provider. It's an antibody against a protein in your cell called Rho, R-O, or R-H-O, and it's negative. Now, there are really rare cases of Sjogren's with a negative Rho antibody. But I've had the same situation. i get the ANA, anti-nuclear antibodies, which is what we uh, test for in an autoimmune disease, and they're all negative. Uh, the C-reactive protein, which measures inflammation, is very high. And they've had breast implants, and their fingers are cold, and they're in chest pain, and they're in fatigue. Think about it. It's not necessarily what it is, but think about it. And, and in the end, um, you may have to have the breast implants removed.
1: Nicholas, thank you very much.
2: Great question.
1: Excellent question. The WeFold Medical Bariatric Weight Loss Directive, it doesn't work out to a good acronym.
2: I don't know. I'm going to move one the on? words. Well, you know, I've been practicing medical bariatric treatment, and that is the non-surgical but aggressive medical treatment for obesity for probably 15 years. And I can tell you that I've had a lot of people – Tell my patients, how could you take diet pills? You know, because let me tell you, don't you have a negative reactivity when somebody says they're on diet pills? No. Oh, well, yeah. I mean yeah. What's if a diet people pill?
1: are taking you know, amphetamines. It's an upper amphetamine. sure.
2: but you yeah. know what? Amphetamines can be useful in the right hands and in the right situation. But what you want in in dietary management for obesity and medical management for obesity is one major thing in the beginning. recognizing it's a disease, yeah. and not a fault of personality or um a, a more a moral problem. Yeah, you know, yep. they're gluttons. I mean, because when you think about what we've been taught, especially in, In nursery school, not nursery school, Sunday school, Seven Deadly Sins. Sure. Gluttony is one of them. And when you are obese, uh, for the most part, you have a different metabolic profile. Uh, You're resistant to insulin. Uh, Your body has different bacteria that chew up the white bread and chew it into a single sugar molecule, and then you store it as fat. And so what you have to do is address the diet, but mm-hmm. diet doesn't always do it. And for the most part, I would say diet is 30% effective. And that's lo- just cutting out simple carbs. Uh, what are they? Bread, white flour products. We've talked about this. It's no, no, no sugar. No white potatoes. No white rice. No white flour. And what does that do? It prevents your bacteria from producing simple sugar molecules that your body, in part because of insulin resistance, your insulin doesn't take that sugar and and, and put it to use, and therefore it's stored yeah. as fat. Now, what I attempt to do first is dietary management for three or four months and bring them back once a month. I tell them not to weigh themselves. No, no. Why? Because you're going to get frustrated. One yeah. day you're up a pound, next day you're down two pounds, you'll say, this isn't working. Yep. Weigh yourself, come back in a month, weigh again. And they see, well, you know, I've lost two, three pounds. That's good. If it's not effective, then you want to do two things. One is called an anorectic medicine. That means you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. And there are several that work well. Phentermine, and that is a mild stimulant. And it stimulates the part of your brain and your stomach to make it seem like you're fuller than you really are. Now you have to be careful. This is why it's done under the supervision of a physician. Blood pressure response. Uh-huh. Uh, you can get tachycardic, you can get dizzy, and in which case you have to stop it. Now the other medicine is kind of a piggyback medicine. It's called topiramate and that's a seizure medicine. And I always tell my patients I'm not giving this to you because I think you're going to have a seizure from the phetamine. Right. But it also works as an anorectic. The two combined have more of a loss of appetite than one by itself. And it's an anti-seizure medicine. It works great in kids. They had to stop it because the kids weren't hungry and they were losing weight. Oh, yeah. So it's safe and effective. Uh, it's, it's something that we've been looking at for a long time. Now, I think the really big advance has been the GLP-1 agonist. Now, what is that? Trulicity, Ozempic, mm-hmm. Sexenda, They've all been seen now. And Ozempic just had a really big trial, 30% weight loss. And that was without using Phenormine or Topiramate. And I think it's an amazing combination. Now, not everybody can take the GLP-1 agonist and we give them to diabetics. Why? Because it makes your insulin system work more efficiently. Mm -hmm. And when your insulin's working efficiently, you don't store sugar as fat as frequently. And I combine those three when I've, hit six months and they've not done a real good job with diet and maybe the phenamine and topiramine haven't worked well. I'll start with one of those agents at a relatively low dose. Mm -hmm. Sixenda is the same as, uh, excuse me, Victoza. It's a daily injection, but it's like five times the normal dose. So what are the side effects potentially? Nausea, you can get diarrhea, you can feel queasy in your stomach And you shouldn't take those medications if you've had thyroid cancer, a particular type called medullary thyroid cancer, or if your family has had that, or a type of thing called multiple endocrine neoplasias, you can get them in your adrenal gland. It's the uh, endocrine cells. And that's pretty rare. But the maximum I've lost in one year Mm. is 125 pounds. And I said, I've lost. My patient's lost. And I'll see them. I'll take their blood pressures accurately, I'll go through a history and physical, are they having nausea? Are they, you know, sick in the sense of being unwell feeling? right? And it's amazing. I, I can average 10 I can have my patients achieve 10 pounds of weight loss on average. and then we hit a target and then we back off and then we bring the diet in, and then I see how much they rebound. And yes, they do rebound. Uh, and some go off the program. And they gain all the weight back. So is that a reason to throw up your hands and say, no. I ain't going to do this? No. No, and so I bring them back and I say, let's get back on the meds and let's focus on your diet. Now, the other thing mm-hmm. is a diet, uh, a food diary. You, I give them a book and I say, you write down everything that goes in your mouth and oh do not lie about it. And I use the term lie, not in a pejorative sense. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't no, want no. to tell my doctor I had that baby Ruth bar. Oh, because geez. you can, it, when you see that, And you put a big red check mark. Let's get rid of that. It really works. So you need to do this under, obviously, medical supervision. But don't have this negative attitude about, quote-unquote, diet pills. We're not giving you something over-the-counter, Garcinia Cambogia, or whatever they talk about. We're using (laughs) tried-and-true medical therapy under medical supervision, and it works.
1: Okay, we're going to talk in just a moment. Have 900 people or so... Died after getting the vaccine because I'm seeing that in on Facebook and other places. Also, your blood pressure. Uh, we're going to talk about something called Colchicine. Is that going to save my life? It might. It might. Okay. It might. We don't know
2: yet, but it might.
1: And then, all right. Uh, and, and what? It's a gout medicine.
2: G o u t. Gout. We gouch. call it the Gouch. Well, because you know it hurts. <laughs> it's, it, we had all these funny sayings for the, things, you know, gouch. But gout is the technical term. Yeah, my dad called it the gout. The gout. Yeah, yeah. It right, is the gout. A disease of oh, rich would, people back in England. He would
1: crawl on his hands oh, and knees because his feet hurt. It's All right. right, we'll talk about that coming up next. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network. Well,
7: you know, you make me wanna sound, kick my heels up.
1: This is Heart Health Radio,
2: who are we shout out? Well, I had, I forgot to get permission to mention names, so I'm just going to say it's a very nice young woman who is in the end of middle school, uh-huh. and she's an athlete, and uh, the whole family got COVID. Oh uh, she didn't get tested, um, but she knew she had it, and since then, and felt well. So the mom knew that I was uh, a doctor who, like a dog with a bone, I don't let go. And she said, doctor, we thought, uh, does my daughter have long COVID? Now, long COVID is that syndrome where you get COVID and you just can't seem to shake it. Yeah. Well, what were her symptoms? She was weak, tired, dizzy, fatigued. She couldn't do the sport. She's a big sports person. So she plays volleyball. She plays softball. She's a really big athlete. And she's just not at the top of her game. And one of the things was palpitations, so what does that mean? It means that she would feel her heart racing, and a lot of times it was during physical activity, or sometimes it was just standing up. So one of the first things I did, besides getting an EKG and putting a monitor on to see what type of palpitation it was, and it was just a normal heartbeat, but very fast. I stood her up and checked her blood pressure. Now her Mm -hmm. blood pressure was on the low side to begin with. Normal blood pressure, you know, 110, 120 over 70 hers was 195 sitting on top that's the systolic pressure when i stu- and her pulse rate was say 60 65 stood her up yeah blood pressure of 70 on top and a heart rate of 130 wow now that's called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and it's because the brain and the heart and the other mechanisms of maintaining blood pressure when you stand up just don't work together anymore so when you stand up your body's supposed to adjust and keep your heart rate the way it is, tighten up your arteries a little bit so your blood pressure doesn't fall, your blood doesn't pull in your legs from gravity. Yeah. And when you stand up in these individuals, when they stand up, the opposite happens. Their blood pressure falls, their arteries dilate, their heart starts to race mm-hmm. to try to increase the amount of blood flowing every minute to maintain your blood pressure. And so we diagnosed it. Mm-hmm. And- The the way you treat this initially is salt. So people think, no, salt's really bad for everybody. No. If you have a low blood pressure, you need salt because when you have salt, you have extra fluid. Mm -hmm. And so you want to expand your blood volume. You put tight stockings on up to the calves. Why? So your blood doesn't pool. And then, unfortunately, if that does, oh, and you need to drink a lot of water. I'm talking 10 glasses of water a day. And the salt. Sometimes you salt capsules. I think that's the easiest way to do it. You mm-hmm. can buy those on Amazon. Believe it or not, the brand that I use is Salt Stick. It's a little tiny capsule. And that generally works for the vast majority of people. Then, you know, we talked just recently about the compression stockings. If you have to, unfortunately, sometimes you need a beta blocker. Why is that? To blunt the effect of the tachycardia, which it's like an endless cycle. It's like a feedback loop. The more tachycardic... The more in these individuals, the arteries dilate, and the more uh, low blood pressure you have. Mm-hmm. Then there are two medications, Floridof. That is a fludrocortisone. It makes your kidneys hold on to more sodium. And sometimes you can lose potassium with this, so you have to take a potassium pill. And then there's something called Midadrine, which helps to tighten up the arteries. And the amazing thing about this, and, and this is what I love about parents and, and, and patients, as they said, is this related to COVID? And? And I didn't know. So you know what I did? I huh. said, excuse me. And I went to the computer <laughs> and I typed. He pre- he pretended to get a text. No. I told him, <laughs> I'm going to go Google this. And I could Google it on my phone, but I just don't like doing that. I want to get on a computer and read it. Yeah. And sure enough. Is it? Another Johns Hopkins dude who runs the POTS clinic, the P- POTS clinic, at Johns Hopkins. And believe me, it's a very significant problem. Mostly yeah. happens in girls and young women a- around the time that, not all of them, that their, their body is changing with estrogen, you yeah. know, the onset of monarchy or the onset of um, the situation where they had their monarchy, um, but now they're going to get their bodies ready to have kids. And it goes away. But this guy... Um, at Johns Hopkins, and I'm blanking on his name. Of course, I don't have permission to use his name either. But that's right. Anyway, um, that doesn't matter. But he has seen a ton of patients that had COVID, recovered the respiratory issue, and now have POTS. So what I'm saying to this um, young woman and and her mom is I think it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you for sure. Mm But I want her to be active, get back in sports, so we're at the stage now. We're sort of halfway into it. Um, we've got the salt and water loading didn't necessarily work well. We've got the compression hose. And we're going to go on to the next step if she's not doing well when I see them back. So shout out to the mom and this, and this young woman for taking control of their illness and moving on and getting mm-hmm. opinions. If, if she went to two or three other doctors, yeah. and you know, a lot of times with young women, you know, they're tired, you're fatigued, ah, you know, you're just stressed, or ah, don't worry about it. And so, there's two lessons here. Number one, take charge of your illness right. and, and have your mom help you if you're a young woman and still living at home. And number two, ask questions. Because I tell you, your doctor may learn from you. And mm-hmm. I learned from them these two people, yes, another post-COVID syndrome is a low blood pressure and high heart rate when standing. And that's a serious thing. You can pass out. Amazing. You can hurt yourself.
1: Have 900 people or so died after taking the vaccine? Sure. And is that unusual?
2: No. And you know, when you, I always talk to people, you don't really see car wreck Issues in the newspaper, unless it's a spectacular wreck, right? With fifteen tractor trailers, but you see plane wrecks. I mean, if there's a plane wreck, I mean it's all over the news. And why is that? Because it's so rare. Mm -hmm. So um, dog bites man all the time. Cars crash, but when man bites dog, that is a that's news. Sure. So I walked through the door today. I yeah. walk through that particular door yeah. and suppose I had a car wreck on the way home. Uh-huh. Can you associate me walking through that door with a car wreck? No. People still die of other things. And most of these deaths have not been attributed to the vaccine. Some have. Whenever you have a vaccine, you're going to have individuals who have anaphylactic shock to the ingredients of the vaccine. Right. It's extremely rare. So, what, 30 million vaccines have been given out in the U.S. of A, approximately? Okay. And 800 deaths? Do the math. Uh, It's probably secondary to the fact that they died of something else. Don't use that as a reason Mm
4: -hmm.
2: not to get your vaccine. And I'm still upset about this whole concept that the vaccines are dangerous. They are not dangerous. They are what's going to get you in a state where you're at low risk for getting COVID. And it's gonna get our country to a situation when enough people have it that we can get out of this mess. Nobody, I mean, I, there might be some people who really accurately predicted this. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I was wrong, completely wrong, about how serious this was gonna be uh, in this country. And so was Dr. Fauci. I mean, in J- February 29th, 2020, he said this is not gonna be a big deal in this country. We need to take the vaccine. Everybody. Oh. And there's a, there's three out, and there's another one coming that I'm very excited about.
0: And this is Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor. The following is a paid program, and the views expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPTF or Curtis Media Group. Information provided is of a general nature. Listeners seeking specific advice should contact a licensed professional in the appropriate area. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. oh, oh. oh. Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. This is the Heart Health Radio Network. Of course,
1: we're right now we're on FM 985 AM six eighty WPTF. We are on two hours every single week.
2: It seems like two minutes. It does.
1: At or the end 20, of the
2: show. 20 minutes.
1: At the end of the show, we're yeah. like, that was two hours? That was two How hours? did we do that? And part of the reason that it's like that is that people call up and they make our time fly. Would you please do us a favor and call us
2: up? Yeah, You know, the reason is because some of the, a lot of, most of the best topics have to do with what you're thinking about. And if you're thinking about it or if you have this problem, then thousands upon thousands of people have the same problem. Right. So we love it and right. and we everybody's voice sounds good and nobody should be afraid to talk on the radio right
1: 9198609783 is our telephone number there is a gout medicine called colchicine the gouch and this medicine <laughs> is you know it's funny because I remember a Quincy episode. Remember Quincy? I loved Quincy. Okay, Quincy had an episode where people were ingesting colchizine. I think it was because they were. Yeah, he and of course you you must understand this this show. If you've never seen it, you you, you Jack Klugman, Krugman, Klugman was so incensed that people were pouring colchizine on plants. And there was like pot, they're pouring it out to to make it grow. He says, oh. "We got to eliminate this colchizine." I didn't know they were doing. Oh, it was it, was it was season five. Was there? You looked it up. No way to treat a flower. And here's the thing, he he was so incensed. Oh wait a minute! So over the no, top. no, they were smoking marijuana right. mixed with colchizine. Right. Okay, now colchizine is a gout medicine. Yeah. What will it help me? get
2: rid of or avoid okay so gout is uh if you look at um oh what is that famous british author's name anyway he did um he did uh christmas carol it would be dickens yeah so gout was a disease of fat old british people because they ate (laughs) a lot of meat so purines liver All these things that have these chemicals called purines. Yeah. And if your genetic predisposition is such, you develop what's called uric acid crystals. Right. And so uric acid is something we all need in our bodies. If your uric acid is high and you have a predisposition, they crystallize in your joints. Oh, it hurts. So just imagine, all of a sudden, you've got these crystals in your joints and your body hates this. I mean, just hates it. And our big bugaboo, if I had a word that described the theme of of medicine today, it's inflammation. COVID, all these diseases are diseases of hyperinflammation. Well, somehow, and I'll have to look at this, colchicine was an old-fashioned drug that somebody just figured out. You eat this plant, and it got rid of your gout. And then they figured out it was the chemical in the plant called colchicine. Now, what does colchicine do? In your... White blood cells, in order for them to reproduce, and in actually any cell, there's something called the tubule, and it's a long tube that controls the chromosomes of DNA. Colchicine inhibits the tubules from working very well. So you give a, a colchicine, and it reduces the amount of inflammation in the joint, and the gout gets better. I mean, it's really dramatic. Okay, so
1: if I, I, maybe yeah. someday they're going to prescribe me this colchicine. To do what? To keep down my inflammation so that I don't get what?
2: Okay. Remember we talked about ablation after atrial fibrillation? Yes. Yeah. So you go in there and you put the tubes in the heart and you zap them. Well, you can wind up with inflammation in the sac around the heart Uh because it gets burned too. Okay. It's called pericarditis. And what we know now is that colchicine eliminates that to a great degree. So even now, chronic pericarditis, where you've had an inflammation system, I mean, situation in your pericardium from a virus, et cetera, we prescribe colchicine. Um, And now they're realizing that colchicine works in a lot of ways on different illnesses. So they're testing it, and there's some great effect in Crohn's disease. And now, uh, I think this may—and they're testing it for COVID. And And it could
1: be that long-term inflammation can cause, can trigger cancer. Oh,
2: all sorts of things. All sorts of things. Crohn's is an inflammatory disease of your bowel, uh, lupus, um, all these. uh, COVID is a problem of your immune system overreacting, just like I overreact. Yes, very much <laughs> like the way you
1: overreact. We need to get him some anti-inflammatory sometime. Ruth and Raleigh, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? Uh, hello, hello. This is Ruth. Hey, Ruth. Glad to hear from you. What can we do for you? Uh,
8: I've got a hour long conversation, but I oh know you can't tell me that much. What Take your time. My feet and hands stay cold all the time. I'm a 89 year old lady with uh, eight years cancer-free breast cancer.
4: And
2: Congratulations!
8: Does it have anything to do with that?
2: Okay. What What is this phenomenon? You never had it until you had breast cancer. Is that correct?
8: I've, well, I've had the breast cancer eight years, but just this year, it's when my feet and oh. hands start being cold.
2: And you sound like you never smoked.
8: No, I don't smoke. You never did. Never did,
2: never did. And do your joints ache, too?
8: Well, I have arthritis in my joints.
2: Okay. Is it the old-fashioned osteoarthritis, or do you have uh rheumatoid arthritis? There's
8: no cure, they say.
2: Okay. And if you, in the winter, if you don't wear gloves, do your hands turn white and cold and blue? Well...
8: I don't remember much back in the winter, but just this summer, in fact, the past few weeks, they are extremely cold. Mm-hmm. I warm my blanket at night to put on my feet, go to bed, and they're still.
2: Yeah. You takes you a long you were time socks, to warm. You wear socks to bed?
8: Not socks, but I just warmed the blanket. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, that's one way to do it. Okay. So, this is what we call Raynaud's phenomenon, Raynaud, R-A-Y-N-A-U-D. He was a French physician. Mm-hmm who first reported this, and it does occur more in women. It can occur in men, too, who are uh, real bad smokers who have a genetic predisposition. And what this is, and we actually mentioned it on the show earlier, um, is a problem where the small arteries in the fingertips and in the toe tips get inflamed. And when there is inflammation in the artery, The muscular layer around the artery tends to spasm, and it causes pain because of lack of blood flow. And, you know, what keeps your body warm? Blood. Okay? That's what the circulation partially is, is um, homeostasis of temperature. That's... We're going to use a lot of medical terms today. You go ahead. You're into this. Homeostasis of temperature. this. Yeah.
1: Should she talk to her doctor about this? Absolutely,
2: because there are ways to treat this. And because it also can be associated with systemic illnesses, you should talk to your doctor and and see if he or she wants to check you for some of those systemic
8: illnesses. I've been to a regular, I had a regular physical recently, Yeah. but I'm saying, should I go to a heart doctor?
2: Actually, you know who I would see first? And this is going to be something that might surprise is a rheumatologist. Now, yeah, what's a rheumatologist? Okay. That's an arthritis doctor. Now, you have some arthritis, and it it sounds like it's just plain old degenerative joint disease where your cartilage and your bones are wearing out. That's but,
4: what she
8: said. You yeah, older, you but losing uh, a lot of ear.
2: Yeah. The rheumatologist...
8: And it just,
2: yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's
8: fat around your ankles.
2: <laughs> right. The rheumatologist may... Uh, and, of course, I can't see you through the through the radio... But, you know, go to a really good rheumatologist and and tell them, look, I have this problem with my fingertips getting cold. I have arthritis. Do I have a rheumatologic disease? Is it an autoimmune thing that I might respond to certain types of medical therapy? Makes okay. sense, Ruth. I
8: think I'm pretty healthy. You sure thing.
2: sound yeah. like it. And congratulations on your, sur- your uh, surviving breast cancer. You're wonderful.
8: I do a lot of exercising and great. take very a lot of good. things I know that's good for me
2: and Yeah, you sound like you're about fifty. You got a great I, voice.
8: I, I probably <laughs> acted, but I can feel the difference.
2: <laughs> All right, Ruth. Thank you very much. You know, I think Ruth is a great name.
1: She's she's a, she's obviously a terrific lady. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Lynn from Zebulon. How you doing, Lynn? I am
9: great.
1: Good. What can we do for you?
9: question you said you're going to spend some time talking about gout um and this past year my mom passed away in august i'm um, sorry dementia, thank you from dementia and um stroke related activity and one of the things that my sisters and i noticed um the last year and a half was every time my mom had a stroke she had gout in her toe
10: uh-huh. um
9: very severe uh, obviously, and we did use the colchicine, and I think they put her on something called allopurinol.
2: Allopurinol,
9: right? To yeah. um to kind of as a preventive thing. But is there any? I mean, have you heard of this correlation between stroke and gout? My dad has had it now um, yeah. once, and we we think he may have had a stroke, but. Oh, right. <laughs> Immediately the gout showed up. Um, so yeah,
2: we let, me, let me let me just. Um, they,
9: we were very fortunate. They were married for uh, almost seventy-two years, but
2: now we're wow. seeing the same pattern with him. Yeah. So remind my hearing is so bad. You said she got a chemo round and then got gout. Is that right?
9: She got what?
2: She got treated. She got a treatment. She
9: got. Okay. She got treated with colchicine.
2: Yeah, but I'm saying the the inciting factor was a treatment for her um, her illness. Is that right?
9: No. Well, the the factor was she had stroke activity. Um, stroke. Not, okay. Yes, yeah, stroke activity.
2: Okay. Not well, not so activity. the question is whether a stroke is related to gout. Is that correct?
9: Right. I, right. Is there a pattern between yeah. stroke activity and
2: gout? I don't think that it's a real thing. Most of the problems that uh, are associated medical medically um, have to do with an arthritic condition. Now, you can have an to- a stroke from inflammation. So for example, uh, we talked just a little while ago about the, the arteries in the hands. You can get an arteritis in your brain uh, where the, the brain arteries are inflamed, and then they'll spasm, and you can get a stroke. And at the same time, with this generalized inflammation, you can get a gout attack. Um, you, you brought up a really good point about allopurinol, and allopurinol is a medication. When your uric acid levels are high, it can reduce that. Now, that's a medicine you got to be careful with, because it can be a problem, especially if you have kidney disease. Um, So it sounds like, uh, and I I don't want to get out on a limb here, um, but if you've had a stroke from an inflammatory condition, it can go along um, with gout. And it seems that when you have gout, it can increase your risk of having a stroke because your whole body gets inflamed in that situation. So it's a chicken or the egg thing. Now, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure I didn't hear you because my hearing is so bad, but there is also something you need to know about when you have a big tumor and you get chemotherapy, you can have what's called tumor lysis syndrome and uric acid is produced by that and you can get gout from that. So when you have a gout attack, you're at increased risk of stroke because of a generalized inflammation. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, there's an association. Now... I'm gonna have to look in on this. It's just like a very uh, good thing that you brought this up because I'm gonna do some research on gout and stroke, and I'm looking at Google right now, and there doesn't seem to be something that jumps out at me. But yeah, could-
9: I've done that too. I, I've googled a little bit, and there's you know it, it there's not much on it, but yeah. there is a little bit here and there, yeah. um, but nothing definitive. My mom's a primary cause of death was dementia right. and the stroke activity. So, yeah. um, my
2: mom died of that. It's called multi-infarct dementia. and okay. Yeah, it's confused often with Alzheimer's. Um, in fact, I thought mm-hmm. that's what she had yeah. until I found out she had AFib, atrial fibrillation. And ha- and they did an MRI and didn't tell me. It was just stroke city. Oh my gosh. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah
9: that's the pattern we saw and now my dad has... Uh, He's ninety-one, and he has the same pattern going on. He also has congestive heart failure and yeah. AFib. So, well, it we, sounds we, like we,
2: he's a he's a tough guy putting up is. with all this.
9: <laughs> yes, he is. He's yeah. a tough guy.
2: Lynn, thank okay. you. Lynn, you have a great day.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Have you noticed that you have hearing loss? Apparently,
2: this, this segues into our next Just statement.
1: into just. Apparently, the number of people who have been diagnosed with hearing loss is way up. up.
2: And it's a COVID-related thing.
1: But it's not because your ears (laughs) are going because you had COVID. That has nothing to do with it at all. We'll tell you why in just a moment on Heart Health Radio. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com. Duke. Has had to drop out of the tournament. Yes, the basketball tournament,
2: and, and it, yeah, there's a reason why. W- why have you ever heard that song, "Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be frat boys"? Hey. Um, <laughs> I just heard I heard it up. differently, but yeah, yeah. I was at Duke for four years, and and. Back then, there was like boys will be boys, ha ha ha. The frat boys are drinking, and the frat boys are you know throwing up on the on the uh, sidewalk. I'm telling you, I used to walk to work, and there would be you know vomit on the sidewalk. Thank you for sharing. Delta Kappa vomita. And what's (laughs) happened at Duke is that they've got all these strict rules. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you know, but the frat boys are partying again, and so they're ignoring uh, what I think is one of the prime ways that we can get out of this mess is that stop congregating. So 10 people indoors, 25 people outdoors. And, you know, the powers that be seem to think that that's, you know, the maximum where we can minimize the risk. And if you're indoors, wear your mask. Well, come on. You see Animal House? Yes. Yeah. I, can I, you imagine those frat boys wearing masks? Now, they might do it to have fun. Yeah, You know, we're wearing yeah. a mask uh-huh. and we're, uh, but then what happens is that they got to take the mask off because it's full of, you know what, it's just <laughs> terrible. They got to stop this.
4: All right. And
2: I'm, I, if you're a mom and a dad and your kid is going to be going to college this year, my strong recommendation is don't let him be in a frat and don't let him really be in a sorority. It takes away from the college education i mean it's part of the normal experience but i think it's terrible
1: you know how they uh, they they say some people do uh, dentistry and they, what they do is sedation dentistry right. where they knock you out and then they do the work and they, that's the way i went to college okay they knock you out as a freshman and they wake you up as a senior <laughs> and pretty much it's like did you did you see animal house no Lived it. Thank you very much, Philip in Raleigh. You are on Heart Health Radio. How you doing?
11: Yes, I'm doing great. Hey, hey. Thanks for taking what? my call. What's up? I'm a repeat caller, and I don't want to wear out my welcome, so no, I'll fine. get right to the go plan. ahead. Um, I just had my annual physical. I'm 66 years old. Uh huh. I just had my annual physical last week, and asked my. Uh, general practitioner for a a chest x-ray for some reason they don't do it every year automatically anymore and they say the lungs are hyperinflated although the hemodiaphragms are slightly curved suspect copd right But then the the next paragraph says, no change since 2019. Wow. So, you know, this has never come up before. Now, why all of a sudden, I guess, is my question.
2: All right. That's a great question because I see this all the time. Do you smoke or did you ever smoke?
11: Oh, I've smoked a million. Yeah, okay.
2: How short of breath are you doing physical activity?
11: I'm not short of breath Okay. Do you cough? I I mean, is coughing uh, a problem all the time? (laughs) Hack, hack, hack. No, 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 no. I've got, I've got yeah. some uh, uh, GERD issues. Okay. So, You know, I'll, I'll, I'll cough a sure. in the morning. Okay. That's it.
2: So what's going on? Um, can you take a real big deep breath? I mean, sure. Yeah. So there's two things. You get an X-ray, and the radiologist says the lungs are a little light, and mm-hmm. they're really big. And so that can be one of two things. Either you can take a really big deep breath or you have what's called COPD or emphysema. And I take, if you smoke, quit. Uh, and don't listen to me. Uh, I am mean, no, sorry.
11: Think I quit. Oh, great. I, think I quit NO2. Oh, uh, great, 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 great.
2: And so what I next recommend, and talk to your doctor, have you ever had a pulmonary function test where you sit in a room? That's what they want to do. Yeah, and I would recommend it because what you need to know is, uh, is your X-ray okay because you just took a deep breath? Uh, You're not short of breath. You don't wheeze. You don't cough all the time. And the way you can tell that is by doing a pulmonary function test. And so a lot of people are overdiagnosed with emphysema only because their X-ray can be overread um, by a radiologist who who doesn't know your history. Um, the other thing is if you are uh, diagnosed with emphysema, ask your doctor if a CT scan would be helpful because that'll that'll tell us more about the structure of your lungs. Emphysema is when the elastic tissue of the lung uh, starts to wear down because of the constant inflammation and breakdown. Of the lung tissue, either by um, you're being allergic to pollution or something like that, or by long term risk of smoking. Philip, thank you.
11: Well, I guess I guess my question is why why why, all, why now? They say no change since last X ray, but what you know
2: why? Well, because maybe the last X ray wasn't called. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the last X ray, the radiologist said, ah, he's just taking a big deep breath. See, one of the things you need to know is that the interpretation of X rays is fairly subjective. It also depends on whether that radiologist had you know was getting called by his wife and you know you're late to dinner. Uh, remember, we're all people who are doctors and. Someone can look at an x-ray and say, yeah, that's probably normal. Or, hey, you might have emphysema. And they're not being bad. They're just using their interpretive skills. Go
1: for the test. Yeah. Right. CEO Gavin Densmore of At Home Elder Care is going to be in the studio on this show in just a moment. Um, And we're going to talk about things for uh, older folks. If you've got a A member of your family, you might need some services, please stay with us. Otherwise, call us up. This is Heart Health Radio.
0: Heart Health Radio.
1: This is Heart Health Radio, which you can listen to on Apple Podcasts or at hearthealthradio.com or on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. I'm Dave Alexander, this is Dr. Franklin Weefall, and joining us is CEO Gavin Densmore of At-Home Elder Care. Gavin, good to have you in the studio. Thank you
10: for having me in tonight, gentlemen. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Well,
2: I, I, uh, when I was in uh, residency, we had something called the VNA. The yeah. Visiting Nurse Association. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, we would say you know get the VNA involved. But nowadays, um, it's much more uh, extensive and uh, much more um, comprehensive. And so, Gavin, tell us about your company, the services you provide, and the kinds of things that you can do for our people who are at home and need care.
10: Well, Doctor Weefold, I'm happy to. Um, I've been in the business for 21 years. Good for you. And senior care is an
2: absolutely exploding industry. Well, because we're all getting old. (laughs) I mean, You know, let me tell you, the number one fastest age group in this country growing is what? A hundred-year-old. A hundred-year-old. And there are over 100,000 hundred-year-olds in this country. And the 90-year-olds and everything else. So it's an amazing... Uh, thing and, you know, keeping people at home uh, when they can is a wonderful thing. I interrupted you. Go ahead.
10: No, that's fine. That's, it's called aging in place. And and I like that term. I do too, because it's where they want to grow old. They're surrounded by their memories, their possessions, and that's where they raise their families. And that's where they'd prefer to stay for as long as safely possible. Absolutely. And we help them in doing so. Right, We we send, uh, not not VNAs anymore, we send in certified nursing assistants. Right, CNAs. Or companions. What's a companion? Well, a companion is somebody that's going to help out the family member with linens, medication reminders, transportation. They're not going to do any hands-on care.
2: We used to call them home home health aides. Yeah, we still call I, no, them, we listen, still call them home health aides. I like the term companion. Yeah. Well, you know? I'm concerned because, because well, I
1: think you want to hire these people just to come into your house.
2: I would like you're to not
1: you're, you I mean you I've need got some two help.
2: companions.
1: No, I mean you need help <laughs> on some of these issues. Yeah, but I don't want you to call them, okay? Because because your service is for folks who are senior. Right. He's not qualified yeah.
10: yet. We, and, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He doesn't look like he could use our help. <laughs> no, he he yeah. Listen, I could use all the help I could get. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, and Dave, to your point, we have um, my previous company that I founded Yeah, back in 2000 believe it or not, we were the home care agency of choice for the brain injury association of oh, North wow. Carolina. Oh, there you go. So okay. there, yes, predominantly Dr. Weefold, most of our clients are 75 and over, uh-huh. um, but we would have cancer patients. We would have yeah. brain injury patients. So we take care of the younger folks as well. Yeah. But generally speaking, the focus is on seniors and certainly keeping them out of nursing homes and keeping them out of assisted living facilities and keeping them at home where they want to be. And we can help them do that anywhere from four hours a day all the way up to around-the-clock care. Do okay. you generally hear from the, the doctor referring
1: you or the patient to you, or do you hear from
10: the family? Generally, uh, the largest referral source in our industry
2: is case managers and discharge planners from hospitals from hospitals right. now right. is it still true because um, i don't do this much anymore that you have to be an inpatient for a certain number of days to get into a nursing home but you don't have any requirements particular do you to get into at-home elder care when you're discharged
10: now we can uh, typically doctor one of the concerns is if the the patient is going to require rehab afterwards, Mm -hmm. then they may be sent to a rehab facility. Right. Uh, What a lot of folks don't know is that they can get rehab at home.
2: It's fantastic at home.
10: And there are organizations, Sure Steps here in Raleigh does. um, I like Sure Steps because they actually go to the client's home and they have a focus on the geriatric population. Uh And I think geriatric rehab is probably – a little different than rehab for an 18 or 20 year old absolutely yeah.
2: so so um, that's not part of you, you but that's no, no no that's that's outside of our wheelhouse okay so let's talk about i'm 75 mm-hmm. and i need your help what can you give me well
10: we can assist you as i tell my clients dr Wefold, the sky's the limit there are only two things that we cannot do for you okay Number one, we cannot do wound dressings and we can't change dressings because our, our employees, so they are our employees, are not nurses. Okay. Um, and we also cannot administer medications. Right. We can remind you to take your medications. Right. We can get them out of the pillbox for you and put them in your hand, but you have to get them from your hand to your mouth. Okay. And, yeah. but other than that, the sky's the limit. If you need assistance with toileting or ambulation, um bathing, dressing, uh, meal preparation, linens, transportation, pretty much the sky's
2: the limit. Yeah. So uh, I had a similar situation. My mother uh, had dementia. Oh, and for the last six or seven years, I mean, she really needed 24-7 care. Now, I paid for that out of my pocket. Um, are your services covered by insurance and Medicare? No
10: to Medicare. Okay. Um, There are long-term care insurance policies that folks our age should probably be looking at purchasing now. Absolutely. For when you're 85 and you need them to pay off. Right. So generally speaking, the payor sources in our industry are private pay, Mm -hmm. much like you did with your mom. Uh, Veterans Administration pays benefits for those. Oh,
2: I didn't know that.
10: Yeah, for VA. Absolutely. The VA will pay for services. What a wonderful for this.
2: thing for our veterans.
10: It is. Um, we can't do enough for these folks. Yeah. I was about to say guys, but there's a lot of oh, women that to, are served too. too. I have a lot of women veterans. Yeah. We, yeah. we can't do enough for our, our veterans, and Medicaid pays for it as well. Okay. So yeah. Medicare does not, but Medicaid does.
2: Okay. So um, the uh, things that you would do, you get called. Is that right? And you go out to the home Mm -hmm. and you make an assessment first of what they need and what you could help them with? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. My director of nursing is going
10: to go out or our our directors of nursing are going to go out. They're going to visit with the family. They're going to visit with the care recipient. And depending on the situation, we always like to have family there to be involved with that initial assessment. From that assessment, my director of nursing will develop what's referred to as a plan of care. The plan of care is what the employee is going to do day to day for that client. It's the roadmap for the for the employee. Right. And when they get there, they look at the plan of care and go, "This is what we got to get knocked out." And in a perfect world, gentlemen, um, and we hit this about ninety nine point eight percent of the time. I would say our job is to find exactly the right person to send into our client's home. So you match them absolutely by personality do. and skill. Personality, skill. Um, Hobbies, really? Interest? Absolutely. You bet. That's great. We've got we've got technology that uh, you put in the client's attributes. You put in the employee's attributes and the 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 soft. It's kind of like match.com. I was
2: about to say it's the same thing. Jinx. Like,
10: <laughs> right? Jinx. There you go. I was going to gonna, really, really, really swipe
1: left or swipe right <laughs> on this person, you know. I mean, you you know, you want somebody who's going to have something to talk to you about, yeah. even if that's,
10: that's not their job. And Dave, that's a great point because uh, depression among seniors yeah. is Ugh. huge. Yes. and Sending someone in, and being a senior by yourself and a widower or divorcee, yes, and being in your eighties can be really lonely. And so, having somebody to come in that they can look forward to having come in really kind of helps on the on the on the um, on the emotional side as well. It's,
2: it's essential, okay, because now- the emotional health is such a huge uh, impact impact uh, on on your physical health I mean they go hand in hand all
1: right I want to know whether see I I have people at home who are going to help me I'm going through some some heart issues going to have surgery Mm -hmm. can could I pick up the phone and call you guys if I didn't have anybody and I just need to get through a couple of months
10: of recovery from an operation absolutely Dave you sure can we do short term as long as Long-term assignments. I mean, I think our longest client was up in Durham. We had Juanita for about seven years. Wow. I think our shortest, we've done a lot of work in an organization that I'll, I'll certainly give a plug and a shout-out to is the hospice organizations here. Yes. We love hospice and what they do for families. Um, shortest patient we ever had or client was 12 hours. It was a hospice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was sweet. It was sweet. Yeah, it's I'm, hard to yeah, it hard was, to
1: talk about somebody who's
10: passed. But
1: yeah, it, I, I can understand. You're also yeah. you're also dealing with end of life issues in your end of work.
10: We are, and that's where we want to bring in hospice for the family for for grief counseling and and right. emotional support. We typically are brought in through hospice to help with the personal care of the individual right the the hospice patient themselves so we can yeah we we partner up with the right organizations to make sure that it's a totality of care for the whole family
1: all right over the next couple of minutes if you want to place a phone call right now uh 919 860 and talk to uh gavin densmore the ceo of at home elder care and what's the website
10: uh, our website is www.athomeec.com. at home ec dot com. All right. At home EC. Cause I'll tell you what, I just Googled
1: the phrase, you know, at home elder care. There's all sorts. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, yeah, I yeah. didn't type in the the geography. So I got all sorts yeah. of different that organizations. Is at there home. A phone EC. number they can call
2: too.
10: Yeah. Our phone number, our office line is nine one nine.
2: 263-0989. At-home elder care. Uh, what, and what is your geographic area of coverage? Is there a particular thing you can tell us?
10: We cover the triangle and the triad. Okay. How far east, how far west? Well, um, we go all the way up to Durham and Chapel Hill uh-huh. and mm-hmm. beyond. And then my franchisee over in Winston-Salem covers... From Winston Salem, this oh, really? way over to yes, sir. Oh, yeah, so good. all
2: of Wake County. Oh, certainly all of Wake what about, County, what about Johnston County, where I practice.
10: We do work down in Johnston County as well. Awesome, yeah, Johnston County, Lee County, Moore County, Durham County, yeah. Orange County. Because there's a counties. lot of
2: need where I am, right? All right, yeah. now
1: we're gonna g- send people to at home ec.com.
10: Yes, Dave.
1: ec.com. And what telephone number could they call you at the office?
10: Uh, get us at 919-263-0989. Yep.
1: 263-0989. Gavin, thank you.
10: Hi, right, Dave. Thank you very much. It right. was a pleasure meeting you and Dr. Weefold. Well, listen,
2: uh, and, and I'm just going to say this. Uh, the healthcare care system is not just doctors and nurses. <laughs> and it's people... Like you, because what you're doing is what I can't do, which is be there face-to-face and support um, and provide love and understanding and day-to-day care. I love it.
10: Uh, I love my employees for doing what they do. uh, We wake up, Dr. Weefold, I wake up. I want my franchise partners to wake up. Every morning, and ask two questions. What can you do for your employees that you're not doing for them now? Yeah. And what can you do for your clients that you're not doing for them now? Well, no. be you back on the, the show. It, you keep that focus. Okay. All right. Be back we'll on have the show. we we'll
1: have you back.
2: Have Love talking to you.
1: Thank you. Gavin Densmore, at home elder care. Again, that number is 919 989 This is Heart Health Radio coming up. There are a lot of people being diagnosed with hearing loss, and I'll bet you figured it out. What? Yeah, a lot of people being, because everybody's wearing masks. Why would one thing have to do do with the other? You just gave it away. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio, and Dr. Weefald also wants to talk today about mini-strokes. That's coming up, and we'll talk with Kent from Raleigh on the Heart Health Radio Network. What? Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to the Heart Health Radio Network, who we shouting out.
2: We're shouting out the Novavax vaccine. Yeah? Uh, It's going to be the fourth or maybe the fifth one coming out. Gaithersburg, Maryland, it's a small company, it's a different type of vaccine. It's small little bits of protein that mimic the spike protein, 96% effective, against the original virus yeah 86 percent against the uk this is good yes this is good so if you hear about it and you get a chance to take it take either one you can anyone you can but this one's a good one
1: kent in raleigh thank you i'm shouting out kent yeah who waited longer than anybody else has ever waited wow to be on the show. How you doing, Kent?
7: I'm doing good. I've got a hold button. Is the doctor in?
1: Yes,
2: yeah, the doctor is. The doctor is <laughs> in and ready to listen.
7: What's up? Yes. Um, in the past, you've talked about a medicine that, you, you. I think you might have said you took it, but uh, off-label use was appetite suppressant. Yeah. What is that?
2: Okay. So, uh, topiramate is one of them. So, the the labeled use of topiramate, it, the brand name is Topamax. And the, the label use is as an anti-seizure medicine. It works pretty well. But docs stopped using it as much, especially in children, because the people lost weight. And it makes you not as hungry. Mm-hmm. It works in the center of the brain somewhere to reduce the appetite uh, initiation of the brain. It works with the stomach. There's a protein called ghrelin. It's very complex. But it does help reduce... Uh, your appetite and help produce weight. Now, I'm going to say one another one that I might get in trouble for oh, because yeah. they don't like you to prescribe it. Okay. But that is Adderall or amphetamine salts. Yeah. Um, they are indicated for adult or child attention deficit disorder. And the way it works is it stim- they think that ADD is when you, you need to stimulate your brain more. So you're always doing something, moving, yeah. talking to stimulate your brain. What Adderall also does is it makes you less hungry.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: The problem is it is a difficult drug to regulate. And it can also become habit-forming or addictive. So those are the two that we use off-label Is that Topamax,
7: Um, T-O-P-A-M-A-X?
2: Yeah, or Topiramate, T-O-P-I-R-A-M-A-T-E. And definitely, definitely uh, talk to your physician.
7: Uh Cancer, are you diabetic? No. Now, I've been eating a lot of oatmeal, and I was wondering if that was your part of the white bread? No, no, no.
2: Yeah, oatmeal's great. Okay. Oatmeal's great because it has fiber. Now, the last one that's off-label, but it won't be off-label for very much Hmm. These are shots for diabetes that we talk about, Trulicity, Ozempic, and um, by Durion, there is an on-label weight loss medication that is the same as these other medications, uh, the, the stimulators of the improvement in your insulin function. that's called sexenda. So when you hear about sexenda as a shot, it's extremely expensive. It's the same medication. As the inexpensive Victoza diabetic medication, just a, a much larger dose.
1: And I take Ozempic.
2: Oh, now I do oh, it for oh,
1: Ozempic. Ozempic. That's right. Yeah. I take that for diabetes. And the only effect that I notice that would help you here, Kent. Well, of course it it changes something with my blood sugar that the doctor understands. But I don't feel like eating a lot.
2: Is it because of nausea? No, it's not yeah. nausea. I just sometimes you a, get nausea on it. Yeah, uh, you know what somebody told me the other day. What? Well, that's great. Let them get nausea. Yeah, they don't right. eat as much. That's right. That's terrible. No,
1: I can't. Uh, it doesn't have that. But the idea of eating yeah. too much or eating what would be a uh-huh. normal Dave diet. Uh-huh. Okay, I just don't want to do it anymore.
7: Yeah, I would think about hiring someone to follow me around and slap the hamburger out of my hand well this
1: is (laughs) see kent the problem with guys like you and me is not the type of food we
2: eat every day it's seconds yeah and thirds well because you know we eat not just to fill ourselves up it tastes good so that's a stimulus yeah but it's also comforting you know of course it is i mean i'm hungry right now i'm going to raleigh country club and as soon as this is over, and I'm going to have a hamburger. Don't slap it out of my head.
7: Now, on another thing, I'm getting the first shot Madura. Yay! Good for you. Monday. Good for and you. Should I get that in my primary arm or my other arm, my non-drinking arm?
2: I Yeah, <laughs> get it in your non-arm, whatever non is. Okay. And uh, I had a little bit of irritation. The second one. Oh, the first one, a little bit of irritation. second one, uh, I got, you know, a sore arm and uh, muscle aches and a low-grade fever. It's worth it.
7: Well, right. just, there was something on the web this week about a Moderna rash.
2: Yeah, you can get a rash there. It's inflammation yeah. uh, right around the injection site. And you can get a rash other places in your skin where you might have a subclinical inflammation, uh, and it, it spurts up.
7: You give shots at your at your office, and if you do, what what type?
2: Okay, so I am signed up for the Moderna through the Johnson County Health Department, but they haven't supplied me with any even though I've been begging. They're, they're trying to get the mass vaccination sites and the pharmacies first. I think what I'll be getting uh, is when it's open up to everybody. And then, of course, uh, all my old folks have gotten it already.
7: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was great information.
2: And that was
1: a great call. Kent, thank you. Bob in Raleigh, welcome to the show. How you doing, Bob?
12: I'm uh, still breathing.
1: <laughs> You're <laughs> upright. What's going on? What's going on with you, Bob?
12: I got a question about bread.
1: Yes, bread.
12: I love bread. I do too. I mean, if there's meat on the plate, I got to have bread. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I understand. Seventy three. I've been eating bread mine since I was born.
2: Yeah, bread is life, right?
12: Matter of fact, I had my first baguette as a fetus. (laughs)
2: Okay. So,
12: thinking here is when you toast bread, Uh whether it's a piece of. You know, Wonder Bread or a English Muffin, what have you. Sure. When you're done, you pull it out, and what used to be white, a lot of it is now brown. Right. Yes. I assume that's oxidation.
2: Uh, okay. Basically, yes.
12: Much like, you know, a piece of metal rust. Uh-huh. Are you trying to get a
1: like a, an idea whether it's still bread and whether it's still going to affect you?
12: More or less, yeah. 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 Um, I'm thinking this is a new molecule now, and I don't know the metabolic pathways, it, you know, I'm not a biochemist. But well, thinking we got two different kind of molecules now, the white and the brown.
2: Yeah. Okay. So there is a small beneficial effect. Okay. So the whiteness of the bread yeah. is the carbohydrate, the simple carbohydrate. Yeah. When you toast it, it destroys that chemical structure. It burns it. Right. Okay. So you don't absorb that and turn it into simple sugars. Right. However, it's just the outside. That's right. That's okay. Right. So, what you might want to do if you like this is toast it like Lucy did. You remember? Uh, yes. Uh, I Love Lucy. She would toast it in the oven and it would turn black and she'd sit there and scrape off the black, get down to the brown. Well, if you can eat that stuff alone. But I think, you know, what they say is that's slightly better. Um, it won't lower, I mean, raise your blood sugar as much as just the bread. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. Um, have you tried to get into whole grain bread? Have you ever tried that?
12: I think I did one time. And, and you, you thought you were going to die. i got a vague, bad memory. Of <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, you know, listen, the French eat a whole lot of bread. I When I go to Paris, which has not been for a while, you go down to these stores and, oh, it smells so good. Oh, yeah, it does. You have baguettes and you yeah. cover them with butter. And for some reason, they're not obese as much as we are. I don't know why. I know. What's that because in between meals they don't eat. Oh,
1: that's okay. true. it's they're a weird sort of thing outside yeah. of America yeah. in between meals, people yeah. just don't eat.
2: yeah, that's probably true. It's
1: amazing. I Bob, think, thank you. yeah
2: listen we want to we want to get to this story about the masks yeah okay, so I have to read lips and and when people are facing me and they're not covering their mouth, I can understand them. And mm-hmm. that's different between hearing right and understanding. So now I have all these people coming up to me and saying, I'm losing my hearing. Is it because I've got COVID? (laughs) And I said, no, it's because you're wearing, people are wearing masks and you never realized that you had a hearing loss. And the way that you could understand people is also look at their lips. And, And it's a subliminal thing. And so don't hesitate to get your hearing checked now that you're wearing masks and you realize you have a hearing problem.
1: All right. Heart Health Radio back next week on the Heart Health Radio Network.
0: Heart Health Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.